yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Torn to five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? Welcome to the breakdown, everyone. As always, we are brought to you by our good friends at Canadian Football Perspective, by our good friends at Fox 40, the worldwide leaders in whistle technology. That is worldwide. That's not Mr. 305. That's Mr. Worldwide. Dave Foxcroft and Fox 40. For all your whistle needs, visit fox40shop.com and use the promo code CFP15 to get yourself 15% off at checkout. Derek Taylor at DT on SC on the other side of the Zoom. It is wonderful to see your face, DT. Week number two in the CFL has come to a close and those riders that you have the yeah. joy of calling games at that beautiful stadium with all those people there, they have the CFL buzzing right now. Man, how fun is it out in Ryderville right now? Oh, it's amazing because I think it, I think it's better than we expected. Uh, no, no one, I don't think, expected Hamilton was going to be that I don't want to say easy, but that game was not as 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 close as I think anybody thought it it would be. And there's a bunch of reasons that we can get into at another point. I I just hope that the Riders' success and what happened on Saturday doesn't mean that you and I have to have a fist fight, right? You and Hamilton, <laughs> me and Saskatchewan. I hope we don't have to fist fight just because. Uh, like don't spit on me. Uh, yeah, don't don't run around me and sock me in the mush. Uh, don't two-hand my face mask and throw my helmet off. A lot of stuff went on in that brawl, man. Man, uh, that was that was a rough one. There was a lot. Of, it's it's amazing to me how Hamilton and Saskatchewan always have hostility when there's really not a lot of connections. Like a lot of the guys that were involved in that stuff are like first, second year players. Like I don't know if Jake Hardy has ever seen or known anything about Frankie Williams before. Have they crossed paths in life on the field, off the field? I doubt it. Right? Yeah. It's not. And that there were little things in that game where there were guys jawing to each other well after the play that when you watch it back, you're like, they didn't even cross paths on that play. So, yeah. like, why are they talking to you? It was just the <laughs> yeah. host. You must have felt the emotion in the, st in the stadium, not just, you know, because the, the fight sure is going to jack things up and make it feel hostile and whatever. But uh, fitting, by the way, that all of this happens the week that the Mouse, the Palace documentary comes out on Netflix. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it, it wasn't quite that bad, thankfully. There was no punching of the customers in the stands. Uh, yeah. But for me, it's amazing that Hamilton, Saskatchewan, for some reason, just always feels like that. Even if it doesn't escalate to that point, it's always chippy and it's always physical. And uh, honestly, Saskatchewan has taken the better hand of it for the last couple of years consistently. Yeah, it's it's been great from that perspective of the riders that, you know, this is Hamilton's a team that should be for real and even now should still be for real to, to take the win over them in week one when week 16's game might not mean a bunch to one or even both of these teams. Right. As far as the standings go, to, to get the one that matters is is pretty great. There were there's one I have one regret. I don't know if you have this from the uh, from the game, but the, do you remember the play where um Masoli drops the ball then pitches it to Banks and Kalinich is out lead blocking and he drops Ed Ganey in the ground? Yes. I yeah, yeah. I I, I had this visceral reaction when I see a play like that and, and I I shouted out uh Nikola Kalinich just puts some rider into his grave. Like oh, yeah. he just buries him. <laughs> And then uh, you go on to watch that play. I was I was just charting the game today, yeah. and Kalinich gives him a little extra that I don't 
I don't know that what the extra part was was particularly clean. So now I feel bad for praising this, what was a nice block in the beginning of a guy who outweighs another dude by 60 pounds. Yeah. And like, oh, and, it turned, I, it felt like it turned dirty at the end. And now I feel bad for praising a guy for a, for a block, a, a lead block. I think in the moment, everybody wants to get excited about physical football because there's this narrative out there that we are turning it into flag football and that it's when really it's just about player safety. Right. And uh, we're doing our best to protect players, but when somebody is big and physical, like Nicola Kleenich, things are going to happen where you get matched up on smaller players where you can physically dominate them. And he's shown that throughout his basically two years in the CFL since he's come out of York. Uh, But yeah, I'm with you on that. Like Dwayne Ford got super excited about that on the broadcast and for me, as somebody who also charts the games, but I really this year I'm focusing on going through and trying to figure out by watching film who these players are because I'm calling games on television and I want to know guys' strengths and weaknesses and understand how they like to play press coverage or how physical they are at the line of scrimmage. Or, mm-hmm. and, and I've noticed that Kalinich, man, when it's somebody smaller, he'll put them in their grave. When it's Jackson Jeffcoat in week one, it's not happening. Like, oh, really? Like, he third or fourth play gets tossed by Jackson Jeffcoat. And I'm like, because Jeffcoat doesn't take any BS, right? And even you listen back to CFL Wired, Adam Big Hill was wired up in week one. And at one point, he says to Nikola Kalinich, Really, 84? This bleep again? Like, there are, it seems like there's a, a narrative out there that he is in that. But Dwayne Ford, in the moment, we love watching physical football. So, he, he they queued up that replay on TSN because it's great to see yeah. a physical football play. And Dwayne says, shout out to all the fullbacks and they replay it. And then you're like, well, yeah, this probably incited further issues in the game, right? Because when Saskatchewan sees that and uh, they're not really happy about it and Hamilton's dancing all over the place because of a, a big hit, then it might've made some, uh, some frustrations boil over later in the game, which we saw. But again, it was, yeah. it's a shame sometimes when that stuff gets in the way because the quality of the football, even though Hamilton was not up to par with the way Saskatchewan was playing here early in the season, the quality of the football at various points for both teams, I thought was really, really high. Like you can see the potential in Hamilton that they have mm. the ability when they execute. It's just that they haven't executed anywhere close to where we thought they would early in the season. No, and injuries are probably a real good part of that. There was no Dylan yeah. Wynn. There's no Adele K. It's crazy when you look at 2019 and what 2020 would have been. People keep asking me, like, what's wrong with the Ticats? I'm like, they're not the team that you think they are, and it's not because they're poorly coached or they're Mm -hmm. poorly run. It's because they don't have the human beings on the football field that you thought they were going to have. For some reason, we don't realize that your boundary corner's gone, your Sam linebacker's gone, your backup free safety's in, your backup defensive tackle's in, your other backup defensive tackle's in. Uh, you've got a young defensive end. You've got guys being asked to step up into bigger roles all over the place on offense. You've got an inexperienced offensive line. It, like, And again, those things are not really the fault of the Ticats. It's just how the season is shook yeah. out. So no, not to cut you off, but it's just when people ask me, like, what, what the hell's wrong with them? I'm just like, they're not the team that you're expecting. Yeah, you, you, you would like to, having watched that game and having called that game, uh, Braylon Addison should have been in the Tim White role. Uh, Tim White was fine, but Braylon Addison is a guy who you go, yeah, he might be the MLP of the league one year, right? So yeah. it's just, what do you what do you do other than hold your breath and hope that after six weeks, you know, the Addisons and the Devere Posies are back off the injured list and they have time enough and the standings cooperate enough that they can turn it around and take the spot, the first place spot 
that we we figure they have instead of us debating are they the fifth best team or the eighth best team in the CFL that's right that's an uncomfortable conversation to be having yeah it's true uh, let's move along because we got lots to cover here and uh, DT is of course a great broadcaster but he's a great husband first and he wants to warm up dinner uh, for Fiona and so we have to get through the goods here we got about half an hour to be able to do it let's begin with the power rankings we put out on CFP this week you can check them out if you're watching on YouTube, on our Instagram page, it's up there. I made a nice little graphic for you. What we are doing with the power rankings, shout out to Austin Owens. He actually, he joined us at CFP last week. And one of the first things he says was, why don't you guys do power rankings? Because people don't really love the CFL.ca power rankings right now. Like you guys could actually put something out that people go, wow, okay. Yeah, they seem to know what they're talking about. So yeah. what we uh, what we decide on doing is just basically an inverse order point system where if we think somebody deserves to be first, we give them nine points. If they deserve to be last, we give them one point. Uh, and we add up all the points amongst myself, DT, Connor, Wade, uh, Kyle Mello and Austin Owens, who's writing for us now on CFP. And so it's a collective decision. And I told Austin, he said, well, what do you want to do for tie breaks? I said, DT gets the tie break because he puts in more work than the rest of us. And he's smarter than the rest of us. So I was like, if anybody wants to get angry at him, they can get angry at him on tie breaks if we need to end up breaking Love ties. Uh, but you were the only person in those rankings who did not put Edmonton last. You put the team that beat Edmonton behind Edmonton in the yep. power rankings. And I wanted to give you the platform here to explain what your reasoning was. I think it is really neat to see people standing for a team that has won two of its last 17 CFL games. I think that's fantastic. Uh, well, they beat Edmonton. Sure. But what are, I guess, what are we doing with power ranking? Is it strictly who beat whom? Because we can do that pretty quick. They're right. called the CFL standings. Yes. But honestly, do you expect at the end of the season, looking at what we know of Edmonton through two games and looking at what we know of Ottawa through two weeks of the CFL, do we really believe, do I really believe Ottawa is going to finish as a better team than Edmonton? And the answer to that is no. Uh, Ottawa won that game, sure. It took a massive touchdown return off an interception. It took an uncharacteristic, what I believe to be uncharacteristic from Trevor Harris' performance at the time, but then he went and threw another four interceptable passes this past week. Uh, it, it took all that to, to beat Edmonton. So, yes, they won the game, but that's my job is to tell you who's going to win a football game in this respect. It's, it's who's the better team, and I still believe they've, they've absolutely, they absolutely beat the Elks, and the Elks absolutely look – troubled at the very least like they have real issues but if they play again uh Edmonton's the favorite like Ottawa goes into this week I think an 11 point underdog to Saskatchewan if they played Edmonton again and it was in Edmonton Edmonton's Edmonton's minus five like Edmonton's the favorite if those two play again so, so let me so, ask you this though what what would, what would you need in order to to see from Edmonton, assuming that it's a conversation right now between Edmonton and Ottawa, and there are other teams that are down there, obviously Calgary, and you can talk about maybe Hamilton nipping at the, the bottom four kind of thing, but what yeah. would you need to see from Edmonton in order to say, okay, I think I have to put them last at this point? I honestly, if they just, if they do this in the next two games, then then we're probably there, right? If, if Ottawa... It, that's predicated on Ottawa not being one and one and two after four weeks of play, right? They've had the bye. But if if the Elks keep playing like this and turn the ball over at bad times, and Trevor Harris can't throw the ball to his own guys, like Harris is putting balls in real 
dangerous spots like between the one and the two on the defenders jerseys like you just can't keep doing that but there are a lot of good things I mean Greg Ellingson's going to get unleashed at some point Armandy Edwards is going to be unleashed at some point James Wilder is is doing great things at the running back spot that defense that defensive back five uh I'm trying to think of the game this past week Uh, I don't like that's a good back five that they yeah, have. I've been and, impressed and sure. by by Mincy so far this year. Like he yeah. is, he's really physical. And Rose is flying in on on the wide side corner spot. To your point, and uh, like Grimes is still doing Grimes his thing. Is Grimes, yeah. Like and so yeah, I'm with you. Their back end and obviously the pass rush up front, being able oh. to put put Kwaku and get him after the quarterback in there. And they've rotated through. I think a lot of bodies on the offensive line because what we saw in the preseason was a lot of fluctuation, but. Yeah, for me, the weirdest part of Edmonton overall is I was looking at, obviously, Ellingson one catch, one yard is just startling. And yeah. uh, I started to put together the target charts for uh, when I was actually on the GO train back from Toronto today. I was just like, let me take a look at at uh, Ellingson and Walker and just try to parse. Because I actually am writing an article that should be up middle of the day on Wednesday here for CFL.ca about why the defenses are slightly ahead. And I have a theory that the defenses aren't really ahead. The offenses are just behind, <laughs> which uh, to me at this point, like I don't think the defenses are outplaying everybody. I just, the average yards per target on so many teams across the league right now is down. And that yep, feels like sure. w- whether it's a, a lack of trust in offensive lines or not having timing down and rhythm to be able to throw the ball vertically down the field, whatever it is, I'm just like, they just feel like they're slow. So when I look at, at the specifically week two, you end up having Ellingson with five targets, one catch, one yard, as we know. The yards in air on the throws that they tried to get to him, 35, 38, 7, and 1. And the only one okay. they completed was at one yard. And like if Trevor Harris is not completing a pass that's one yard down the field, then we've got bigger issues. But yeah. the one that really stunned me, DT, was Darrell Walker. When I put together his target chart, because in terms of passes they have completed uh, to him, <laughs> There is essentially uh, one that is beyond nine yards down the field. Oh, like, wow. They have a 32-yard completion, which was that little dime when they were down 17 points over the shoulder and he tapped his toes. Other than that, they've completed a pass to him at the line of scrimmage, six yards down the field, eight yards down the field, and nine yards down the field in that week two game. But putting his target chart together, it's like they're just throwing rail shots down the right side to him. Mm. Or, or screens like he is a one-dimensional player right now it feels like in Edmonton's offense which I didn't expect like I'm looking for reasons why Edmonton looks and feels that way and that's the closest thing I can come up with to trying to figure out what what the heck's wrong with their rhythm uh, but yeah I mean they I think if they look like this they've got BC correct like they're the Thursday nighter in in BC I yeah. think, to start the week if they come off of a relatively short week here because they played on Saturday evening in Edmonton and now they're going to play the Thursday game. If they come off of that and they, I'm not even worried about the score zone stuff. It's the whole field for me that that's, yeah. that's concerning about. And I know that sounds very like, you know, blowhard and over the top, but everybody's focused on it's in Trevor's head and it's a mental thing. And he gets close to the end zone and he freezes up. And I don't believe that. Like, I don't think that we can, claim that this is a yeah. mental mental block because of a certain part of the field that he's on. What I'm seeing is middle of the field, they give the ball to, to James Wilder a whole bunch, and he chews things up, and he throws a bunch of checkdowns and crossers and gets the ball to Tavon Smith and Shai Ross and 
he's spreading the ball around. And then for some reason, when they get down in there relatively close, it's not a mental thing. It's a can't find my best players thing. And I was on a conference call with Matt Dunnigan today and I was listening to him talk about it. And he said, they just need to simplify things. I'm like, they're trying to simplify it by just throwing fade balls to Darrell Walker. It's not working. Yeah. So I don't have an answer for where they're going, but I had them last in the power rankings just because I looked at it and thought to myself, I don't know what corrects this at this point. Like they're not going to overhaul the offense. They just have to run their stuff better. Can they? They're going to have to. Like that's basically what this boils down to for me. Yeah, I, I forget where ultimately I did one to nine, but I long term I have more confidence in the Elks than I do the Stampeders. But my my take on the Elks is softened much more than my take on the Stamps. So the Stamps are about what they thought they they would be this season. The Elks are are nowhere near what I thought they would be at this point of the season. So uh, that's why I didn't have them last, but uh, they're coming soon. Uh, Montreal at three, I. People were a little too quick. I got a text uh, after, uh, gosh, after VA threw that ball that Jake Winicky caught. Yes. Unbelievable catch. Oh, hey, are you changing your stance on Vernon Adams now? Like, really, on one deep ball? Well, and that- he missed outside. Like, there's a reason that Winicky had to make the ridiculous catch is because he put it too far outside and Winicky bailed him out and made him look good. Yeah, for 13 of 21 for 211 or whatever the, the yardage number was, people were really, I know we love Vernon Adams as a collective CFL fan base, but uh, I'm not changing my whole, he was terribly inaccurate in 2019 <laughs> because Jake Winicky made a fantastic catch. And that team, that whole Montreal team looked fantastic. Alford return. Hey, the defense can do stuff. That receiving core is top three in the league. Uh, I like a lot of what Montreal's got. Uh, just want to know isn't enough to to change. I'm not coming off my priors because of two weeks in the CFL. Let's <laughs> no, say it's, that. You know what's weird for me is the interceptions that he threw in the playoff game against Edmonton, I think one or maybe two of them were crossers. And I was noticing okay. in this game, he has a really hard time with the really easy throws. Like the open oh. man on a rub concept, <laughs> running a shallow crossing route at three yards depth. And the rub works, the linebacker gets picked or the Sam linebacker gets picked and he's got his number three receiver from the field running towards the boundary and he'll throw it like low and away down on his hip. Like that's the little stuff for me when I'm tracking games where I'm like, that's a, that's a straightforward throw. That's a throw that you expect like a high school kid to be able to. And again, he makes it, but just not in a way that helps his receiver. And it's the little Mm -hmm. things like that at quarterback. I love the old, in the Brady six documentary, there's a clip of uh, Steve Mariucci talking to Gino Carmazzi. Right. And anybody who's watched this Brady six will remember this, but it's talking about Gino Carmazzi and going into training camp with the 49ers and how he had all this promise. They were trying to develop him. And Mariucci yells at one point, this clip has always stuck with me as a quarterback. He's basically says in training camp, Hey, Gino, you put it here. Okay. He can turn and run and get you 18 more yards. You put it here. He goes down and we got to gain a six, put it where you want it. Like he just yells like, put it where yeah. you want it because you got to help your guys. And there's, I think a lot of that around the league as well. If you really closely watch games, even running back slip screens, there's been a lot of throws that have been low and away and down on running backs that have made their lives more difficult. You know, William Stanback, he got handcuffed a couple of times. That's just on him. That has nothing to do with ball placement. But there's like these little things that I think are adding up that mean the defenses are starting to have more success. And I think that's why people were wondering about the power ranking stuff because Ottawa looks so good defensively 
to kick off the season. I'm like, well, there's a lot of issues with Edmonton's offense that showed out in week two as well, because I don't think we came out of week two saying, wow, Montreal's defense is incredible. We just remember Ottawa's off uh, Ottawa's defense against Edmonton's offense from week one, because they scored a couple of times. Well, and we have to, you have to adjust that, right? If you think Edmonton's terrible, well, they were dominant against a terrible team then, right? You have to go with what you think. I think they, they balled out against a team that should have been good at the time, but now after two weeks, we're getting a little more evidence that there's problems in Edmonton that need to be solved. So yeah, uh, yeah. I I love the power rankings. I love putting thought into them and I love where, where guys disagree because uh, anybody who thinks Ottawa should be ahead of Calgary and Hamilton though, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, I honestly Come like on. that as a thought exercise. It's very similar to the CFL top 50 players where you sit down and you go like, I really haven't had to sit down and actually parse my thoughts on this. So yeah, that'll be a fun one for sure. And if you want to follow mm-hmm. that again at CF Perspective on Twitter and on Instagram is where you can find us. And of course, if you are going there, don't forget, you can also go to SawdustCityBeer.com, shop their wide variety of brews to learn more. Go to their website again, sawdustcitybeer.com, and use that promo code CFL during checkout. Get free shipping on your first order over $100, available to Ontario residents only, and must be of legal drinking age. Uh, let's talk about the impact of uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and Shaq Evans going oh on to the sixth game here on the day that we are recording. We get this news. I went back and watched every throw of Bo Levi Mitchell's from week number two, the Thursday nighter against BC, where he throws the four interceptions for the first time in his career. And man, DT is hindsight ever 2020, like seeing the way that he was refusing to rotate. If you are, you ever want to take a golf swing and not rotate, you know what happens, right? Yeah. Uh, You ever want to try to hit a baseball without rotating your hips and twisting in your feet? You know what happens? It's, it's your power generator. It's the thing that allows you to move freely. And, you know, Jim Barker and David Sanchez kept saying, on the panel on Thursday night, something's not right. Something's not right. And I'm like, that's lazy analysis guys. Like we can't look at somebody who's throwing bad interceptions and making poor decisions and just say something's not right. But then you watch it back after knowing that his legs broken and you very quickly realize this wasn't, you know, cause and effect. This wasn't, uh, you know, something's wrong with him. Therefore he's throwing bad footballs. It was, he's throwing bad footballs because something's wrong with him. Like I looked at at the reverse way where I'm going, He's throwing more checkdowns than he wants to. He's not challenging vertically. When he does challenge vertically, he's not being accurate. And you realize when you watch the way the ball's coming out of his hand, it's because his base was messed up because he didn't have confidence in the way that he was moving. So I feel bad for Bo. I'm excited to see Michael O'Connor and what he can do. But certainly Calgary at this point, that puts them in such a tough spot because they're already down 0-2 and they're in a West division that Saskatchewan and Winnipeg look incredibly difficult to beat. And, uh, yeah, I just I feel like Michael O'Connor has the ability to throw the ball all over the place. The question for me is whether or not he can take an 0-2 football team, which is such a brutal situation to get dumped into. Can you take an 0-2 football team that's questioning themselves and lead them? As a Canadian yeah. quarterback, can you lead? Can you be vocal? Can you encourage guys? Do they believe in you when you're in the huddle? Does the offensive line have your respect coming out of training camp where it's your first year with the organization where you're in a new offense? There's a lot of things in this situation for Michael O'Connor that make me think this probably doesn't end well, but it doesn't mean that I can't hope that he battles through all of them and proves that he's still a good quarterback. So um, they're in a tough spot, clearly. Well, and, and this was a, a roster that, in my mind, kind of needed Bo at his best to, to lift them up, right? Yes. So, 
Uh, O'Connor's not getting thrown into the 2018-2017 uh, Calgary Stampeders with rock-solid offensive line and receivers for days. That's not what currently exists in my mind in, in Calgary. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it because, uh, I mean, we've heard of Michael O'Connor for, for years and we've gotten little drips and drabs of him uh, so far. Uh, I'm curious to see it, and I'm curious to see what they let him do because mm-hmm. you know that offense under Bo is, huh, you know what, uh, there's something over the middle, 30 yards downfield, that's fine. I'm going to take that. Like, I'm going to gun it. Like, I'm going for it because I'm Bo and you're not. So I'm curious to see what of that exists for Michael O'Connor. Uh, Nick Arbuckle's offense was a lot like Trevor Harris's was in, in 2019, depth of target, things like that. But So I'm curious to see what uh, what O'Connor is. I just don't want it to be – uh, let's throw a slip screen and then we'll do this and nice and short. Let, let's, let's uncork him and see what happens. I, I mean, that's my very scientific approach. Let's uncork him and see what happens, <laughs> but let, let's, yeah, let's let Michael be Michael. Let's try that. Yeah. And I think if you're a fantasy player, Kadeem Carey might be the call, um, just because you know, he's going to get touches, whether or not he's going to rack up a ton of yards, who knows, but they're at least going to give him the football. So if you're looking for a running back play, that might be. Um, the spot to go there. Now let's talk Shaq Evans. It's oh. uh, a very unfortunate, the foot in Saskatchewan. He goes on to the sixth game as well, just like Bo. Uh, my my take on this, I think, might be a little bit different than yours, DT, because I respect the hell out of Shaq Evans. He's physically just so gifted. He's special. He's got great hands. He runs very, very good routes. He gets out of his brakes pretty clean. All that stuff is great. But I, you know this from talking conversations throughout the off season. And since we began this podcast, I'm always looking at how much love are you getting in the offense and how productive are you when you get that love? Because I'm always thinking about maximizing the value of your, your efforts and of your, your targets. And so right now in the passing offense of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, through two games in terms of percentage of targets, you have Shaq Evans getting 21% of their overall targets. Jordan Williams-Lambert has got 15%. Lenius has got 12%. Powell's got 12%. Picton's got 9%. Kyron Moore's got 25% of the targets thus far throughout the season. He is leading the team percentage-wise on pass targets. Now, production grade, okay? And this is where this got interesting to me. You've got Kyron Moore at 62 in terms of production grade for migrating. Got Williams-Lambert at 60, okay? So 62, 60. You got Picton at 60. Get some, Mitch. You got you got William Powell at forty, but that's just because he's catching checkdowns and little things. You got Braden Lenius at seventy two point four. Okay, his production grade right now is off the charts good, especially considering he's only getting twelve percent of the targets. Evans is twenty points lower than Braden Lenius right now in terms of production. It's fifty two point eight. So my thing on this is not. Hey, good riddance. I'm glad he's hurt and he's out. My thing is, Kyron Moore is the star of this receiving core right now. And Braden Lenius is playing an excellent, excellent number two role, in my opinion. I understand Williams Lambert is, is making moves. I know they're going to bring in another American body at that X receiver for Evans. All of that is great. Uh, but I look at this right now as being Cody Fajardo is being a great point guard, spreading the football around. And Kyron Moore and Lenius are the guys in my mind in the passing game. And then, of course, because Jason Moss is a madman, he'll go full house diamond backfield with Albert Awachi alongside Keenan LaFrance alongside William Powell and just beat the crap out of you whenever he wants to. So uh, yeah. those things, I think, all play into 
my opinion of this being it's a loss. It's unfortunate, but it's not something that I see over being uh, unable to overcome for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders passing attack. We may fight after we after this. Damn. We may <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, as far as his target share, like he, he's played five quarters, right? He was injured yes, that's very true. early in the second quarter. So he's played five of eight quarters. He would have had more targets. And he's in the first game, he had two bad drops. You saw by his reaction. It's like, I can't believe yeah. I didn't I didn't catch those. He's not gonna he wasn't gonna have 28 drops of the year, right? Two of the games. So that that does skew it to some degree. And in this case would knock down his production grade. Shaq is just he's He's so good. Like he was a first, he was a CFL all-star last year. When you watch him work down the field, he had the highest yards per catch and he was the fourth deepest target receiver in 19. His ability to adjust to the ball in the air, his ability to get late separation off guys. Oh, you thought you were close to me? I'm just going to body you a little bit. And now I'm open to catch the ball. He is a fantastic receiver and he was going to be a huge part of this. I think we were all kind of surprised in game number one that it was Kyron Moore as the guy getting the deep shots. I think there were three deep balls in that game and two of them were to Kyron Moore. Uh, I think we were surprised that there were none for Shaq and well, now we're not, we aren't going to know, right? Cause we're going to lose Shaq for six games as well, six weeks as, as Ryder fans, if not more because of the broken foot, because he's part of this receiving core that wants to go downfield and just knock the crap out of defensive backs to allow runs to happen. It's, yeah. it's so shit. I, I, people, people kind of not turned off, off Shaq really quickly, but kind of adjusted their Shaq take and went, I went, Oh, 2019 wasn't honestly that long ago. And he didn't right. 40 in the meantime, he's still, I, in my mind, I, he's still the best receiver on the team. In my mind, Kyron Moore is a different kind of weapon. And it's great to see how Moss has been using Kyron Moore because we've been waiting for, well, he had 996 yards in 2019. By four yards, he missed a thousand. We all want more <laughs> for Kyron Moore, right? We just want that. And uh, Lenny is fantastic, but he's still a package guy, right? Yeah. I watch he's in. Lenny is 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 out. We need we need more Lenny here uh, as Ryder fans. I think we would we'd all go for that. But uh, Shaq's Shaq's a big loss. Jay Will, Jordan Williams, Lambert today at practice apparently was out at that X spot, and Paul McRoberts. Mark it down. I'll say it here too. Paul McRoberts will have a top five CFL catch this year. Hey, there we go. Love it. Paul uh, McRoberts. I, I'll throw this out for you as well, just as a fun stat, because it is the breakdown and we try not to just give takes. We try to give some actual analysis on this stuff because, uh, yeah, talking out the side of my mouth about Shaq Evans and the fact that it's not overcomable and forgetting that he's only played in five of eight quarters is not great. Uh, but passes over 20 yards in the air by Saskatchewan through the first two weeks. Kyron Moore. 22 incomplete Powell 25 incomplete Williams Lambert yep. 26 incomplete Evans 28 incomplete Kyron Moore 28 complete yep more 33 incomplete more 37 incomplete Evans 44 incomplete more 44 incomplete Picton 44 incomplete the only pass that's been completed over 20 yards down the field thus far in this season for Saskatchewan has been Kyron Moore so that yeah. to, to me, that suggests that, you know, I'm not saying, hey, he made a catch. He's the only one. Therefore, he's the star. I'm just saying they obviously seem very comfortable throwing him the deep ball because when you look at the the top 10 deepest throws of the season thus far for Saskatchewan, seven of them are Kyron Moore. So you're right. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're giving him the go and they're letting him go to work over the middle of the field, to the corner, to the skinny post, to the go. It's they're giving him a lot of variety and all of that stuff. So I'm I, again, I just like Bo. 
I don't want to see stars of the CFL go down and, and yeah. you hate for it to happen, but you do wonder because this is, I think we forget this and because it's been a couple of years since we had a CFL season, it's important for fans to remember that every single year, every single team is going to have somebody go down that you hate to see them get injured. And that's just the nature of football. And I was listening to, again, Dunnigan on this conference call today, and he was saying that pro football, people don't realize if you've never really played or been really in it like he was for 14 years. Pro football Mm -hmm. is about who survives the injuries the best, not always who gets injured the least. Because everybody's going to get injured. So it's a question of now, how do you deal with it? And that's why Jeremy O'Day roster builds. And that's why you, you, you don't plan on Shaq Evans getting hurt. But if you do you need to have people in place to try and work around that. And I, I'm just saying, I believe Saskatchewan does. And that the offense, Jason Moss, it's not like he's, Oh no, Shaq Evans is on the sixth game. Well, there goes my game plan for the next two months. Like yeah. he, he's got games coming up against the Winnipeg blue bombers, Labor Day and Labor Day rematch that they're going to put points up like Saskatchewan. There's no against that defense in Winnipeg. I think the only offense right now that has the ability to score consistently and have long drives, it feels like it's either Winnipeg's offense against their own defense in practice, or it's Saskatchewan's offense. So, uh, I just I'm I'm very excited for those matchups. I'm already starting to look forward to them. Calgary Edmonton, I think, is going to be a very different Labor Day matchup. Oh, and the, and the home crowd eleven in, five the final. <laughs> uh, the home crowd in Hamilton, if they are zero and three, if they lose to Montreal and in come the Argos, is going to be <laughs> hostile. They because it. First of all, it's always hostile Labor Day. It's always hostile when it's Argos, regardless of what time of year it is. But if you're 0-3, it's not exactly 0-8 like 2017, but it might yeah. feel a little bit like it. But hell, I mean, Labor Day 2017, they ended up getting a victory against the Argos when they were 0-8 to get their first win of the year. So, uh, yeah, yeah, anything is possible in those matchups, but certainly it's crazy to think that we're close to being uh, at the Labor Day time of year. Do you want to say anything else on anything looking backwards here before we do a little one-minute rapid fire on what to look for in each of the games coming up this week? Um, uh, high five to everybody else who had Hamilton under nine and a half wins. We're almost there, baby. We're <laughs> two more two more L's and we booked our Hamilton minus nine Easy. and a half win. Under, under nine and a half wins, pardon me. Um, really impressed with Winnipeg. Really yeah. impressed. Honestly, it, we talked about this last week briefly. It's so good to see Zach Caleros yeah. being Zach Caleros. That said, everything we worried about going into the season still exists with with Caleros. Right? We haven't. He's so great at evading pressure and keeping pressure from turning into sacks. But we can't we can't pretend that the looming doom uh, doesn't still exist. It's great to ignore it, but if it comes, uh, I don't. I don't know what Winnipeg is going to be without Zach because he is crushing it back there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Okay, let's do our little look ahead here to week number three in the Canadian Football League. Uh, putting DT on the spot a little bit myself as well, but we like giving you these just as a little throwaway at the end of the podcast. Here, it's nice to have a midweek podcast. Look backwards, look forwards, all in the same place. So, uh, for you, what should people be looking for in Edmonton, BC? Edmonton, BC. Uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time kickoff against so many Western games to start the year. Uh, but uh, not that you feel that pain the same way that we do out here. But, hey, that's life. Uh, and so Edmonton is going into B.C. for the Lions home opener. What should we be looking for? Greg Ellingson, like you said, five targets, one catch, one yard. That can't happen. That can't happen. Where are they using him? He's, to me, a guy who who helped change the CFL in the last five years of 
being that Y receiver, that guy to the wide side. And we're going to use that. There was a year where it became teams went more there than they did the boundary slot. Let's what what can they do with Ellingson? That BC team, that back five is fantastic. Fantastic. So does he get matchups with Keontae Harden? Does he get matchups with TJ Lee? Uh, those are that's a battle I want to watch. And I want Greg Ellingson to get more balls because one for one yard is not anywhere near his stature as a as a CFL player. And it just it feels wrong. Feels yeah. wrong. So that's what I'm watching for. Montreal is going into Calgary here. Their second road game, of course, they win further up the road in Edmonton to kick off their season in week number two. What I'm watching for in this one, Montreal-Calgary, is obviously Michael O'Connor, if he's going to go in and get the start as we all expect him to. How much do they allow Michael O'Connor to do? You've already mentioned. But my question is, what can the receivers in Calgary do to support Michael O'Connor? Because mm-hmm. that, that's that been a positional group that we've been wondering about for a while now throughout the offseason. We said, okay, Huff and Ambles and Jordan, that's good, but it feels like everything has to go through Jordan at this point. And Ambles and Huff are trying to do their best and really talented guys, but it's not Rogers and Breskis and, and uh, you know, other DeVaris Daniels when he was there and all of that being wrapped in together with a healthy young Jordan in his rookie campaign. It's, I mean, when you watch the Calgary Stampeders of the past, like you mentioned earlier, DT, and then you look at this, I've seen two Instagram posts the last couple of days that have really driven home this. There's a picture of Alex Singleton, Philadelphia Eagles, with Deron Mayo, strength and conditioning coach for the New England Patriots. And I also saw a picture of, uh, was it Nick Hawley? Nate Hawley? I always mess up the Hawley brothers. But uh, mm. the Hawley that was the uh, the outstanding rookie in uh, in the CFL in the, in the West in 2019, Nate, yeah. uh, now down with the Miami Dolphins, taking a picture with Trey Roberson. There's all these reunion pictures of ex-Calgary Stampeders that are being retweeted by Calgary. And I'm like, guys, this is part of the reason why they're struggling right now. You need those receivers to step up. I hope that Herji Mayala develops a fast friendship with Michael O'Connor and he goes to work. I hope Colton Hunchak gets involved. I hope that there's timing and rhythm between Kamar Jordan and Michael O'Connor because if there isn't, it could get really ugly. If there is, they've got a chance to fight going into this one against Montreal. Because I think Montreal is going to put up points regardless. Like they, they look like a really, really confident group right now and Calgary's struggling. If you're Montreal you go for the throat. Like you go for the two yep. and oh and let's go home in week number four and play against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So receivers for Calgary, how can you help Michael O'Connor? They're gonna need them to make some plays. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Winnipeg Toronto, man, Winnipeg is a massive favorite on the road in that game. Uh Nick Arbuckle. It's it's I assume it's it's his team now. I, I yeah it, it should be he comes in and and uh puts together a really nice drive and MBT just struggled in that game. So what can you do with that defensive line? You got a week now to prepare for Winnipeg just crushing your offense. Yeah. What can you do with that defensive line? That's the thing the eight other teams have to figure out, right? It's what do you do with Willie was banged up. Willie was limping in that game and he's still Willie Jefferson because damn, dude. And Jeff Coat is ah, and they didn't even have Steven Richardson who led them in quarterback pressures in week number 1. What does Toronto have to counteract that? And honestly, I'm kind of curious to see what the first game in the East looks like in the CFL this year. Yeah. What does the home crowd mean to the Argos? Yeah, no doubt. Hey, by the way, shout out to Darren Bombing from Bonfire Sports TV out there in Winnipeg, who's at Bombers practice every day. Uh, because of him, I have now learned that Stephen Richardson's nickname is Stove. Stove is his nickname, nice. apparently, which totally fits because he, if you tried to move him, it would be like moving a stove. So, uh, would you and, rather be nicknamed Stove or Poop? Because Poop Johnson <laughs> played for them a, few, a couple of years back. Yeah, it's so funny. Stove Poop. I don't know. I, I had forgotten about that guy. I know it's funny when his when he played Winnipeg at Hamilton. 
in our radio booth down below me, there was a group of three or four different people all wearing Johnson jerseys. And it looked like the dad of the group just had yeah. a jersey custom made that was bombers that on the back just said poop. It was on the name bar. It just said P-O-O-P. And I was like, that's definitely his family who made the trip to Hamilton to see this guy play. I think he got cut the game after or something like that too. But anyways, uh, in the last game of the weekend, uh, you have called this guarantee win night on a previous podcast about a month yep. ago. It's Saskatchewan. It's Ottawa. I, I there's Here's what I'm interested to see. I know that Mike Benavides' defense is going to do well. Okay. I think Saskatchewan will still put up points on them, but I know that they're going to be able to fight. My question is twofold. One, that can't be what Ottawa's offense looks like, can it? No, you're right. Like, like that. There's no way that a professional football offense coached by Paul Apolis is going to look like that. And my second question is, this Davis character at receiver that led the Auburn Tigers in all-time history and catches and all these different stats we were throwing out about him in their first game in Week One against Edmonton when they won. How good can he? Because like, can he jump in and actually? become a real player in the CFL or is that just kind of like a fun memory of week one of a guy who shows up and we're like oh that was cool and then he disappears the rest of the season because they have no continuity or or rhythm in their offense so I I'm just excited to see Ottawa's offense go to work and to prove that Mm -hmm. they're not what we saw in week number one yeah it just it can't be right like I don't I'm well documented saying I don't think Ottawa is going to be very good this season but 120 yards of offense 71 yards passing and this is Steve Daniel had sent out the second lowest of all time in a win. You can't, that can't be it. There's, there's gotta be better. Lapo is, Lapo can make stuff work. He, he did some really great things in Winnipeg without having the most talent in the entire CFL. So uh, there's gotta be better than that. This should be, yeah, I hope Ottawa's, part of me hopes Ottawa's a test because I don't want to call you know, a 60 to one game, but, uh, as, as you did one time, right. <laughs> yep. I don't, I don't, I don't want that in my life. Uh, but yeah, I'm still on my priors with Ottawa of, okay. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, no doubt. And the thing is too, that there's a riders bye week coming up after this Ottawa game. So it's going to be potentially beat up on Ottawa. If they do bye week, then it's Labor Day and stuff gets yep. real, real fast against the Bombers back-to-back week. So interesting next month here for Saskatchewan as we've all been drooling about them throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, DT, as always, thank you for this, man. It's great to catch up. And uh, I know that we've thoroughly enjoyed the first couple of weeks. So uh, it's only going to get better as we go and keep getting more and more information and data to be able to share with you. And we'll do a better job too as the season goes on of actually disseminating information to you because uh, DT's a busy man right now and I am as well. So it's uh, it's great to catch up and I know mm-hmm. that we're going to get more as we go forward. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, check me out on the sports cage on yep. CKRM. And uh, for those who are gambling inclined, I have some hits going on uh, TSN Edge that uh, yeah. the prop masters do not miss. When it comes to Toronto plus seven, we miss sometimes, but uh, on the props, (laughs) we got you covered. There you go. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CF Perspective is where you can find us. He is at DT on SC. I am at TSN underscore Marsh. We are out. Talk to you next Wednesday right here on The Breakdown.